Matthew chapter number 21, and we're going to start reading in verse number 17. And Jesus left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. I don't know if he was with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, which were his loved friends, but he stayed in Bethany. And in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. When he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. And that's what I want to talk about. Nothing but leaves. Let's put our Bibles down and let's pray. And let's really lift our voices up. The time that we spend together on this side of eternity warrants, requires us to take advantage of every time that we are assembled together in the house of God. Father, we love you. We praise you. I pray for the word of God to gain entrance, to give understanding and clarification and direction to every heart, every life, every human being under the sound of my voice. We won't fail to give God the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I did not realize until beginning to study out this passage of Scripture really how many people have attempted to glean theologically, exegetically, hermeneutically an accurate rendering of this passage of Scripture. And um, I'm glad that I have the Holy Ghost this morning, because when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you do not have to rely on commentators, but you have the author and the finisher inside of you. I'm not getting many amens right now, but that is a reality and one of the true and genuine gifts that I believe of having the Holy Ghost is that if you masticate and ruminate on a particular passage of Scripture and give yourself to it long enough, that God will rake back the covering of what other commentators throughout the ages did not see. God will reveal unto the people of God by His Spirit. But this is a notable passage and one that because of 
the immediacy of this tree withering away has drawn incredible interest theologically. Jesus here is, is approaching this as the Son of Man. We know that Jesus had a dual nature. He was Son of God on his father's side. He was Son of Man on his mother's side. And being that he was also in this incredible duality, he hungered, he wept, he slept, he got thirsty, he got tired. And so... We know from other indicators in the Word of God that he was definitely fully human and fully God. And he approaches this fig tree. This fig tree is, the Bible says, that it's by the way or in the way, which means it was not on private property. It was, uh, it was right off the road. It was in plain sight to everybody. And um, Jesus is leaving Bethany, and after dwelling, as I've already mentioned, with, uh, he had some, some favorite people in that place, but he is hungry. The Bible, the Bible makes special note that Jesus is hungry. If it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't important, it wouldn't be in there. Everything that is in the word of God is there on purpose, and the Bible says that Jesus was hungry, and he came uh, to this fig tree and the Bible said he was, uh, he, it doesn't say it in this one, we're going to look at Mark here in a second, but he was expecting to find something there. He was hoping to find something there to refresh him. And the Bible says in verse number 19, he found nothing thereon but leaves only. There were only leaves there. And this, this is where it begins to draw uh, the commentator and the expert and the theologian out of everybody because there is absolute ad nauseum hundreds and hundreds of commentators that have sought to gain some type of insight here. And most people believe that uh, the reason why Jesus did not find any fruit here is because it was not the time for fruit to appear. That is absolutely incorrect. It's absolutely Botanically, botanically, according to botany, it is incorrect. Some of you will go home and check this out, and I hope you do. You have to understand that summertime begins in the Holy Land because of its uh, proximity to the equator. It begins in March. This particular scenario is five days before the Passover. It's five days before the Passover. And Jesus... Um, was going there looking for fruit and had an intention to find fruit there. He should have found fruit there because when you look at a fig tree in that part of the world, the fruit and the leaf grow together. It is not a situation where you have the leaf and then the fruit is some, uh, is some later development. No. When you look at a fig tree in that part of the world, the, the fruit and the leaf grow simultaneously. And most commentators have tripped or stumbled when it says, and 
the Bible says, and they found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said, and Jesus said, let no fruit grow from henceforth forever. Let's turn to Mark's, in Mark chapter number 11. This is important because this will give us additional coloration to, um, to ascertain this. Look at verse number 11. In Mark 11, and Jesus entered into uh, Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked round about all things, I'm sorry, verse number 12, and on the morrow when he were come into Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. Jesus was persuaded that because there were leaves, that fruit was already there. He interpreted the fact that because the outward was already in place, there, there was form, but there was no content. He came expecting to find fruit. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Most biblical expositors falsely assume that that means that the leaves are produced before the fruit. What that really means, and this is one of the shortcomings of the King James Version in their attempt to, in textual criticism, you will find two major schools of interpretation. One interpretation they're trying to determine what they said. And you will have purists that will, that will micro-study every single word and try to determine what was said. Then you have the school of textual criticism that is trying to interpret what they meant. And this particular scripture fell through the cracks when it says in verse number 13, for the time of figs was not yet. What it really meant was that the time of harvesting of figs was not yet. Jesus should have been able to find fruit there because fruit had not yet been harvested. It was not yet harvest time. Of course, harvest time is the celebration of Pentecost, and we haven't even got to the Passover yet. We're still five days from the Passover. And so Jesus should have been able to find fruit there. Amen. The fig that's understood here is being that element that there is an internal process that interacts with the outward world and also interacts with the soil through photosynthesis to produce fruit. The outward was in place. The outward looked good, but there was no fruit. And henceforth, Jesus cursed this fig tree and said, let no man eat the fruit hereafter forever. What you're seeing here you are seeing Jesus denouncing the condition of Israel in that he has come, he has seen the pageantry of Phariseeism, 
the Sadducees, the Essenes, all of the, the pageantry and aristocracy of religiosity. But he found no fruit of repentance. And the very first fruit that should be discovered by God is fruits bringing forth repentance. And so in this denunciation and this judgment on this fig tree, because Jesus found no fruit, he cursed it. But I really believe that there is more going on here than just a religious statement against the condition of the nation of Israel. I believe that it's also showing us that it is possible to have the outward garnished and swept and in alignment and have nothing on the inside that is approved by God. Hallelujah. I, I, I come to this pulpit um, concerned today, full of the love of God. I love you. I love God. I love everything. But God spoke to me earlier this week and talked to me about seasons. And this particular situation with this fig tree in that it's not enough just to go to church on a Sunday. It's not enough just to comb your hair and wear a nice suit of clothing. It's not enough just to be nice and not use any profanity throughout the week. There has to be some internal uh, replica of the power and the demonstration of the Almighty God. There has to be a residual. There has to be fruit. There has to be evidence that God is in my life. God is dictating my thought life. God is dictating my daily life. God is in control of my tongue. God is in control of my heart. Oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. I fear, um, and I don't have anybody in particular. This is not I've come to pick a bone with anybody or anything. I'm just, I have no friends. I have no enemies here today. I am simply a man of God with a word from God. But I, I believe that it is important that we do not create an environment where people worry about the outward and they wear the suit and they wear nice shoes and, and they want to fit in because we're living in a world that is, that is fragmented socially. And even though people have social media and they have intelligent phones and they have email and they have all this anonymous stuff that they can communicate through, People are, are looking for connection in this hour. And when people come to a church like Cornerstone, they want to connect. They want to connect with the people that are, that are in touch with God and, and are on fire for God. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to be a part of this to fit in. We love you already. But you've got to understand there's one that's greater than the pastor. There's one that's greater than Cornerstone that is concerned with your life, that wants to love you and process you to be something great in the kingdom of God. Nothing but leaves. I have uh, had the privilege and the opportunity to work with hundreds of people um, in our 25 years here in Spokane, Washington. And I have met many, many, many sincere and good people that are attending other assemblies. Uh, and I could tell early on uh, that, that, that they, they were not going to really comprehend a lot of the things that were taking place here 
in Cornerstone. And this is, this is why this particular passage of Scripture is so important. It is because this church is operating on another wavelength. We are not operating to fit in with the world council of churches. We are not operating to fit in with the approval of the mayor and the government of this. You have to understand, I answer to a government in which there shall be no end. I answer to a God that sits on a throne. I am- My footsteps are not navigated by the latest style and the latest fad religiously going on in our world. I'm not looking to fit in with any group. I want to fit in with the kingdom of God. I'd rather hang out with my brothers and sisters than be anywhere else in this world. If you feel that way, let's praise him. I'm not worried about everything looking right, sounding right, everything appearing to be right. I've got to be right. And when Jesus comes to inspect, when Jesus comes to take a closer look, I want him to find something, some evidence from another world. We all know this is the truth. Because it's so easy. And people are looking to be part of a Pentecostal church. Why not? It's alive. I guarantee you, I know you appreciate this music, but when we first started this church, it was just my wife and I, and I quit singing so it sounded better. But now it really sounds good. We have people that are living right. We have people that are praying. We have people that have fruit. We have people where God is, God is, is pleased. I want to tell you, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen just because you flip the light on and say we're Pentecostal. There has to be proper direction and proper lines and proper navigation. And, and I'm going to talk about some things that are hopefully be a blessing to you today. Fig leaves biblically have a history. The first rule of hermeneutics is the, is the rule of first usage. The first usage of fig leaves in the Bible is to hide people's true condition. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve took fig leaves and sewed them together to hide their nakedness. And so the typology is sure. It's ironclad, it's solid, that the sinful condition of man is always caught up with the outward covering. Religion without relationship, covering without content, form without substance. God has a right to expect some evidence of relationship. Luke chapter 13, and begin reading in verse number 6. We'll provide that for you. Jesus spake this parable. A certain man had a fig tree. Everybody said fig tree. There's the third use of a fig tree. He planted a fig tree in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Next verse. Then he said to the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. He didn't say he didn't find leaves. 
He found it in harmony with other fig trees that were in this grove. But he also recognized, Brother Anderson, that this environment is so valuable that there is a requirement to produce fruit. Because look what the dresser said. He said, cut it down. Why is it taking up the ground? That word cumbers there literally means, why is it taking up space? Next verse. Then the farmer answered unto him, said, Lord, let it alone this year also that I shall dig about it and dung it. There were three years that the owner of this orchard was looking for fruit and found none. But the pastor said, let me continue to work with this person. That's why you're in a church. If you're visiting with us here today, you're looking around saying, man, these guys look clean cut. They look like a group of FBI agents around here. I understand. I've got to, I'm going to tell you, I'm the pastor. I'll be the first one in line. I still got to pray every day. I still need to repent. I still need mercy. I still, come on, somebody help me out. I still need the blood of Jesus Christ. I still need the washing of regeneration. I still need the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. One of the reasons why we're not having real growth is the phony baloney that we got leaves but no power. You better have something on the inside. You can fool the pastor. You can fool your wife. You can fool the person sitting next to you. But you can't fool God. If there's one person I want to please in this building here today, it's Jesus Christ. He's the one that called me out. He's the one that kept me out. He's the one that brought me up. Somebody help me out right now. Let us never forget that he is a fruit inspector, and he's the only one that really matters. And when he comes to my tree, I don't want him to find a nice suit. I don't want him to find all of the apparatus of Pentecostalism, but I want him to find mercy. I want him to find grace. I want him to hear a prayer life. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. has a right to expect fruit. That scares me. Somebody said, well, we're not supposed to be afraid. I'm going to tell you, there's some things you need to be afraid of. The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what's wrong with this generation. Everything's casual. Church is casual. Commitment's casual, relationships are casual, and they bring that casuality right into church. I'm going to tell you, there is nothing about God that is casual. There is nothing about God that is mediocre. There is nothing about this that is average. He is the best. He gave his best. He expects the best. Who clap your hands and give God the praise. I didn't come here to be average. I didn't come here to sit on a fence. I didn't come here to be wishy-washy. I didn't come... Nothing but leaves. Psalms chapter number one and verse number one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you're going to produce fruit, there's some things you've got to get away from. 
There are some relationships you might need to sideline. When we're talking about eternity and we're talking about pleasing God, uh, I have no problem eliminating, scratching some names off that list if they're going to keep me in the bar, if they're going to keep me in sin, if they're going to... Is this all right? Oh, you came to hear something flowery today. That's part of the problem. You can be flowery and have nothing on the inside and be full of dead men's bones. What I'm interested in today is that we are filled with the power of an almighty God. Where you have real power and real relationship and real results. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Bad attitudes breed a lot faster than good ones. Verse number three. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season tree in our original story had missed a season. There should have been fruit there. The whole reason for the leaves is to protect the fruit. I'm not wearing a suit so you can see that Brother Mayo shops at Nordstrom's Rack. No, I'll show you a picture of what I was wearing 35 years ago. And I can say, this is God. That was the devil. You don't have to wear a suit to come to this church. Just wear the best you got. If you used to wear what you're wearing and you used to run around in the bar, that ain't the best you got. Those are clothes that are associated with sin. Those are clothes that are associated with disobedience. When you come in the house of the living God, you can walk in because in the spirit, you're in a robe. It's washed. Oh, let's love him. Let's praise him right now. Would you put verse 3 back up there, Brother Clark? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Oh, what, what incredibly encouraging words. I want that. Let's lift our hands and pray right now. I want that. I need that. I've got to have that. I've got to have the evidence of being planted in the right place and, 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 and having the right kind of, of, of maintenance and, and, and hanging with the right kind of people and, and, and drawing from the right kind of influences and, 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 and making sure that my eyes are unpleasing the inspector. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, a very famous scripture, verse number one, to everything there is a season. Everybody said season. And time to every purpose under the heaven. Acts chapter one, 
verses 7 and 8 takes us to another level. Jesus said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. This word times is where in an extended derivative is where we get a watch, a clock. Greek word chronos, and it's talking about physical time. But it's this word seasons. You see, our fig tree that I introduced to us, it it missed a season. It had maturity. It wasn't it wasn't a sapling. It wasn't a young tree. It was a mature fig tree that had it had leaves. It was still able to produce. But it had had missed its rhythm. It had missed its season to produce fruit, to refresh the Lord of glory. It's more than it could have, it's a should have. It's not enough just to avoid doing the things that we should not do. But it's more important to make sure that we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. Unfortunately, Pentecost in years gone by has been judged by by carnal people and people that don't have a clue as they're viewing this from the outside in. They're saying, well, they can't do this, they can't do this, can't do this. And my response to that is, why would I want to do that if I can pray and spend time with the God of the universe? Why would I want to do that when I'm given the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? Why would I do that when I'm clothed with glory? which is but an earnest of my inheritance. Why would I want to live in one world when I am invited to live in another world? Oh, somebody clap your hand and give God the praise. One world produces no fruit. It's impossible because these things are spiritually discerned because the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit. And carnal Pentecost and carnal religiosity has remapped the brain of modern Pentecostalism and changed the palate of taste buds of entire congregations. Man, I'm sure glad that God lets the pastor repent. I know that we're given the gift of the Holy Ghost and beyond that there's nine... There's nine spiritual gifts and nine fruits. They balance each other out. You will never be used in the spirit until you have characteristics that you can handle. One is the character of Jesus. The other is the ministry of Jesus. We get people that want a gift ministry, but, but they're not grounded. It's the character. It's the character. That makes sure you don't go off the deep end just because you have a word of knowledge for somebody. It is the character of Jesus Christ that makes sure you don't go off because you prayed for somebody and they got healed. That pride and that novice mentality has destroyed its thousands. But you've got to have the character. The fruit. Before you can ever get a gift. With all the wonderful gifts of the Spirit, and I'm not here to enumerate them. They're all described to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then Galatians chapter number 5, and we're not going to talk about that. But I am thrilled 
that the goodness of God is able to lead this preacher to repentance. Let's lift our hands and just pray right now. We may do a whole lot of praying here today. Because something needs to happen on the inside where there's evidence. not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power. I'm going to tell you why this is important right here. This is a juncture right here. It is because right here we are on the launching pad of leaving human religion and leaving Phariseeism and leaving the Sadducees and leaving even the, the bold and the on-fire Essenes, in which we're going to be catapulted in a whole new dynamic to understand times and seasons that are on another level. The thing that worries me about the American, the American church is the fact that we, if we are not careful, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God's been talking to me, that, that the American church is more caught up with the times and the seasons and, and all the conditions that we're in in America. And there's, there's a lot I could talk about right now, but I, I'm not here to talk about politics. I'm not here to talk about anything. But we get, we get locked into the American dream of all these creature comforts and all these expectations and all these privileges to where if we're not careful, we will begin to restrict the seasons that God wants to bring in my life in the Spirit that will produce the gift of repentance and produce the fruit of, of peace and produce the fruit of righteousness and produce the fruits in the Spirit. We will begin to bucket. We will begin to chafe under it. We will begin to resist it because we can always go eat. We can always go to the refrigerator. We can always cop out. We can, oh my God, I'm in the Holy Ghost already. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I don't come here as your enemy. I come here as your best friend because God is saying, I called you out so you would bear fruit and I'm still going to work with you no matter how long it takes. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I was in the church a while back and as I was preaching, this has never happened to me in 30 years of full-time ministry. The Holy Ghost has spoke to me and said, this church cannot receive what you're preaching. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I've never, had, I've never had the Holy Ghost speak to me that way while I was preaching. I was preaching in a church. A man is a friend of mine. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, this church cannot receive your preaching. And the Holy Ghost told me, it's too deep for them. When you, have, when you have Pentecostal churches 
that are no longer looking through the lens of the eternal. And, the, and, there's, and all of their preaching and ministry is based on that instead of this, where, where now you're competing with other churches. And, well, they let us do this over here. And so it puts pressure on the pastor. And if, we, if you don't let me do this here, I'm just going to go over here and I'm going to do it over here. I believe there's a people that say, I don't want that. I don't want the world. Give me somebody that wants more God. Give me somebody that wants more Jesus. Give me somebody that wants to go to the deep. Give me somebody. I'm not looking to get out of here cheap. I'm not looking to go out of here carnally. I'm not looking to be a fake. I'm not looking to be a phony. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. It puts all this pressure in this movement. Where now people have to keep lowering and lowering and lowering because so-and-so is doing it, and this one's doing it, and that one's doing it, and all of a sudden we're not led of the Spirit anymore. You can call me old-fashioned if you want to, but you got to call me saved. Ladies and gentlemen, I've already been there. I've already smoked that brand. I've already done that. There ain't nothing there. There is nothing out there that can touch this. It can't come close to this. When you lay your head down at night and you have a clear conscience, and there is nothing in this world. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus said, you shall receive power. And if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speak them with other tongues, you can get it today. Well, some preacher on YouTube said the gifts are not for today. He's a liar and a false teacher. God never pulled him back. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Tell me healing's not for today. I'm glad he's a healer. Don't tell me deliverance is not for today. I've been delivered. Don't tell me he's not filling people with the Holy Ghost. I've already been filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me that God's not doing that. God's still doing it. God's not going to compete with a rap star. God's not going to compete with sports. God's not going to compete with the NFL draft. God's not going to compete with a rocker. God's not going to compete with anybody. There is no competition. You receive this power. What Jesus was saying is, everything you guys are going to see, don't even worry about that. Because you're going to have new times and new seasons. See, there's still, every time there's a blip on the screen of current events, you got people running to their Bible trying to fit that current event into, the, into eschatology. And every time they're wrong, they have to shift something around. That is exactly what Jesus warned people about. He said, I'm going to turn you on to something that you're going to lose all interest into what's going on. You can read the sky. You can read what's going on in the human race. But if you've really got what's going on in your life, you're going to understand where you are, what God's doing.
people that are carnal are living from mistake to mistake. People that are spiritual live from season to season. See, the four seasons, and really, in the Holy Land, there's only two. But the four seasons of the physical calendar are but a type that there are spiritual seasons that your spiritual man will be a part of. And to not understand and comprehend that means that we become, delu- we become delusional about what I'm experiencing because it's not fitting How's it going? Well, just having a bad hair day today. Honey, I have a bare, bad hair do- day every day. Just just put some plaster up there and comb it and pray that everybody buys it. I'm just thanking God there's a little hair still left up there. And that is not saying anything against anybody that doesn't have any. I'm just saying. I just, Okay. I need all the help I can get. But the carnal person does not understand that there is a complicated, intricate design that's already woven in to your spirituality, and it cannot be interpreted by the, by the natural man. And see, we in America, we're having a hard time because, see, we want God to fit my lifestyle. I can just imagine what people are going through that are in, in America. If, if America runs, gets on hard times, just stay in the church. Just keep your prayer life because God's still a healer. God still blesses people. God still pulls them out of the pit. God still sets them on a rock. God's still able to exalt people. Well, I'm just here as long as everything's gone. You're just hiding because once God starts turning up the heat, If you're not careful, you're going to run to the world. Like There's all kinds of people that are medicating in this audience today. Internet pornography, some addiction, some compulsion. Because every time you get under pressure, you get get uncomfortable because there's something happening that you can't explain. We run to the world. God wants to deliver you of that. You are made for better things than that. But you got to stay on the operating table. You can't always say, I'm out of here. I'm bailing out. I'm walking out of here you got to stay on the operating table and say, God, I am never going back to that. I am never going back to the world. I am never going back to sin. I'm going to stay right here until something happens. Oh, clap your hands and give God the glory. You are in a season. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Please, Brother Clark. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Connection. Next verse. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. 
and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I want to tell you what, I have been blessed and it has been an honor and a privilege beyond my wildest dreams to be the pastor of this assembly. But in 25 years, not only are people in seasons, I've seen churches go through seasons. And the pastor that does not understand that will begin to compromise, will begin to give up things because he's afraid. He begins to respond out of fear. No, 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 no. That's no time to begin to change a thing. You need to just stay flat-footed and say, God's the one that put me here. And if God brought me through that, God will bring me through this. Every season is not to destroy us. It's to bring growth. It's to bring fruit. any maturity, no maturation, no spiritual formation, no spiritual maturity. They have a tendency to look at things by how they feel. And your moods are not an accurate guide. I am so in the Holy Ghost here this morning. You're, you cannot judge what, how God feels about you by your moods. We're going to think, I need a pill. Now I need to go to a doctor. Now God is no longer God. The doctor is now giving you some way to make you feel. What you need to do is just say, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to get through this bad day just like that. But I'm not going to drugs. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke pot. I'm not going to do something stupid. God is for me. We don't need antidepressants. We don't need anti-anything. What we need is more God. J-E-S-U-S. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody give him praise. It's no time to get carnal. It's time to get spiritual. It's time to produce fruit so that we don't have nothing but leaves.